this corruption, evil, and wickedness has to limit. And the limit is the truth. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for July 9th, 2017. Today, our brother Omar brings a message entitled, They Will Not Go Far. When the truth comes, this will not go far and it will be exposed. He'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, he'll dig deep to give us a clear understanding of what this passage actually means. So feel free to grab your Bibles and follow along with us as we explore God's Word here on Followers of the Way. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to try to go through the whole chapter. I'm going to do one of those again. But in the meantime, we will circle around to that. But I want to talk a little bit about this guy named Timothy to whom this letter is addressed to. In case you didn't know, Timothy was one of Paul's most faithful companions. He was with Paul during most of his time in his ministry. He endured all the persecutions and stuff like that that the apostles went through in those days. And Paul writes two letters to Timothy. One letter that he writes to him is addressing the fact that he left him at Ephesus to pretty much govern the church there. So he tells them how to set up a church. You need elders, you need deacons, etc. The second letter is more personal. It's, it's addressed to Timothy, and it's pretty much the Apostle Paul writing to him sort of like as a man-to-man type of thing. This is my last letter to you. I'm on my way out. I'm leaving you in Ephesus to govern the church there. So it's kind of like an encouraging letter that Paul leaves to, to Timothy. Now, the first question is, so we're going to get interesting. Who is this guy named Timothy, right? Timotheus, that's in the Greek, means honoring God. Who was this guy named Timothy? Timothy was, number one, he was a Hellenized Jew. Anybody knows who's a Hellenized Jew or a Hellenized anything? This word Hellenized or Hellenistic or Grecian means Greek culture. All right, so think of it as like Americanized. When something is Americanized, it's, it has American culture put into it. So a Hellenized Jew was a Jew that was born somewhere in the Greek world, spoke Greek mainly, spoke no Hebrew, and he was mainly a Greek culture type of person, right? Sort of like a Mexican-American or, or something like that, right? Timothy was a Hellenized Jew and there was a bit, or reason to believe, there's a bit of a cultural tension between the Hebrews and the Hellenized Jews, right? That kind of happens every so often amongst people who have the same ethnicity, but they kind of differ a little bit, right? Back in the 90s. Oscar de la Hoya fought Julio Cesar Chavez. Do I remember that? Remember the whole thing? Chavez is from Mexico, he's the Mexican champion, right? De La Hoya, he represented the U.S. in the Olympics and all of that, so, okay, I'm the Mexican champion, right? What was, what was the rhetoric there? I'm the real deal, right? The Hebrew Jews had somewhat of a same attitude towards these people. And if in Acts chapter 6, we see this situation that is happening where it says, in these days, the disciples were increasing in number, and a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews 
because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So they had some resources set aside to take care of the widows. Apparently, the Hebrew Jews were the ones in charge of doing this. And as time goes by, the Hellenists are like, hold up a second. What's going on with our widows, right? These guys were taking care of their own, and they were not worried about the other guys, even though they were all Jews. These are Jewish people, right? So the, the, the Puerto Ricans were not taking care of the New Eurekan widows. Why? They're Jews, aren't they? There's always, or sometimes, there's this little cultural tension that happens amongst people who share ethnicity but different culture. So Timothy, who's a Hellenized Jew, going into ministry, he has this first obstacle. He has to deal with the Hebrews. On top of that, there's something else about Timothy, that Timothy was a Hellenized Jew. His father was Greek. His father wasn't a Jew. His father was a pagan. That's a no-no. That's a half-breed. The Jews didn't care about these people. In fact, the whole region of Samaria was full of these interracially mixed people, and the Jews would go all around it because they didn't want to go through it because they come in contact with these mongrel people. So Timothy, Hellenized, one point against you, your father is a Greek. On top of that, because his father was a Greek, we're pretty sure that he probably didn't observe all the you know, details of the law because he was not circumcised. That was another big problem. In Acts chapter 16, Paul gives you a little history of, of Timothy. He says, Paul came, to, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. So to avoid the controversy... Because Paul, I don't know if you if you read Paul, Paul didn't have a high opinion of circumcision. Circumcision was nothing but to avoid the controversies amongst the Jews. He had Timothy circumcised. Apparently, there were other facets of ministry back then that we don't have today, but Timothy was circumcised. So that tells you the controversy that that could have bring. If, you, if Timothy will go out to minister, that was a big controversy, all right? So you have Timothy, Hellenized Jew, half-breed, right? He was culturally Greek, meaning he spoke no Hebrew. Culturally Greek, meaning he was more comfortable in the Greek culture where he grew up, right? So on top of all of this, He's a believer, right? In Greek culture, that's not that big of a problem. You believe in this guy named Jesus, right? We're Greeks. We believe in many gods. You can worship your tree behind your house. That's fine. But here's the problem. He was a Christian, and the Christians in those days 
had a little slogan, which was kind of like a twist on the slogan of the Romans in those days. And the slogan that the Romans had was Kaiser Curious, meaning Caesar is Lord. You can worship whoever you want as a deity in your backyard as long as your emperor is the Lord. Timothy, as a Christian, changed this to Christos. Christos Curious, Christ is Lord. Now we have a problem. You can do all of this, but if you don't do this, now you're not really Greek. So this guy, Timothy, Hellenized Jew, not really a Jew, half-breed, not really, really not a Jew, not really a Greek, believer in Christ, is left by Paul at Ephesus to govern the church in the midst of all of this. So all of these are obstacles that this one man has to overcome, right, in order to do ministry in a very, very, very harsh time. This is the whole setting of the letters to Timothy, this whole thing that is going on. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be in chapter 3 for a while. Like I said, this is more of a personal letter that that he's writing to, to Timothy. And he says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So Paul tells Timothy, in the last days, difficult times will come. Now remember, Paul is writing to Timothy. Right, this letter is addressed to Timothy about his situation, right? So when he says, in the last days, Timothy, understand that in the last day, perilous times will come. That's King James, by the way. Paul is now telling Timothy, listen, I'm going to take a break and tell you something that's going to happen 2,000 years from now, right? He must be telling him something that has to do with his days. So the second question is, what are the last days? What is he talking about? All right, that actually is supposed to be 87, all right? That's the atonement of Jesus Christ, all right? God creates man, man falls. God makes covenant with a guy named Abraham, who was a Gentile, by the way. God makes a covenant with him. The covenant that God makes with Abraham has, is later on expanded with Moses, etc., and it covers a couple of areas. God says, I'm going to... Bless all the families of the earth are going to bless to you. Man falls. God says, I'm going to fix this thing that man did. Makes a covenant with a guy. Establishes the nation of Israel. Puts conditions in the nations of Israel. And say, if you don't obey, if you don't keep your part of this covenant, right? You're going to fall into judgment. The nation of Israel did the same thing that all of us would do. They rebelled against God. God sends his lawyers, called prophets, to warn them, you're breaking the covenant, you're breaking the contract, judgment is coming. There were times in which they repented and went back to obey, a generation will pass, they'll disobey again. God sends more of his lawyers, called prophets. Eventually, God sends a guy named Daniel, told him, all right, this is over. I'm going to give you a deadline 
of 490 years. And when those 490 years has come, the covenant is going to be fulfilled. 480 years pass, Christ sends his son. God himself comes down as a man, as a Hebrew, and as a Hebrew and an Israelite, he obeys the covenant completely, without sinning. So Christ becomes the Israel that obeys, therefore he fulfills the covenant. The temple is no longer necessary Christ prophesies is going to be destroyed, and you have this period where the temple is still standing, but the new covenant is also inaugurated. So the old covenant is being phased out as the new covenant is being phased in. This period is called the last days, right? Acts chapter 2. Let's look at that. You guys know this verse. Peter, this is the day of Pentecost, right? What happened in the day of Pentecost? Anybody knows? All right. Don't speak in tongues, Bolden. Um, the Holy Spirit comes down, right? Holy Spirit comes down. They speak in tongues. The whole thing happened. And then, I think it's in 17. I think it gave you the wrong verse, but that's fine. Okay, there you go. So the Holy Spirit comes down or whatever, and then the Jews come and confront the Christians. So Peter stands up and he starts preaching. But what, the way that Peter starts preaching is that he starts quoting scripture. Apparently that's what they did back then, they just quoted scripture. So he quotes a prophecy by Joel, and the prophecy goes, and in the last days, Peter says, this is what was prophesied. What you guys are seeing right now happening behind me 2,000 years ago is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. What did Joel prophesy? In the last days... It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, etc. So Peter tells the people at Jerusalem, listen, this that is happening is the prophecy of the last days. See, 2,000 years ago, Peter says, this is the last days. What you're seeing here just began. See what I'm saying? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. He says... I love the intro to Hebrews. That's the most beautiful introduction of any book. It's, yes. He says, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews, who's clearly not the Apostle Paul, says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So this is Old Testament. Like in the Old Testament, he spoke to the, to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last Days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. The writer of Hebrews is saying, back then, God spoke to the prophets in these last days, present tense. The writer of Hebrews is talking, these last days in which we're living, he has spoken to us by his son. All right? Corinthians chapter 10, I'm just going to prove my point. Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> Paul is talking to the Corinthians, not a good example of a church, but he was, he's warning them about various things that they were doing. Then he says to them, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did in the Old Testament and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instructions on whom the end of the ages has come. 
So the end of the ages, the last days, refer to the period in which Timothy was living in, which was not a nice period. It was a very special, unique period in history. Now, Paul tells him, People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, etc. Now, these things are not necessarily things that only happened back then and now everybody's good. These things describe how human beings have been through our history. But the key to this verse, because this verse has been used to be kind of doom and gloom, right? Mm -hmm. Things are happening. We can't help it. We're living in the last days. Things are going to get worse and worse. Listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of corrupt, corrupted mind disqualify regarding the faith. So he mentions two people, a guy named Janus and a guy named Jambres. These two people opposed Moses. Who are Janus and Jambres? Rewind to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God calls Moses, tells Moses, I need you to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses, Moses protests and he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And God is like, this is not like an opinion poll. Like, you're going. So he goes down there. He goes to Pharaoh, right? He confronts Pharaoh. And then he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh brings out some magicians or sorcerers, and they do a little trickery thing. There's some smoke going on or whatever it was, and he does a trick with some snakes, you know, some staffs turned into snakes and the whole thing. Aaron's standing there. He grabs the staff. No, no trickery or nothing. He just grabbed it, threw it in the floor. It turns into a snake, and he eats those two other snakes. Those two sorcerers are Janus and Jambres, right? What, why is Paul saying this to Timothy? He's saying to Timothy, these are terrible times. People are corrupt. People are evil. People are wicked. They're going to come up against you. They're going to have all these things that are going to happen to you. But just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, like those magicians did, right? These men also hate the truth. But... They will not go far because their folly, just as Janice and Jambres was exposed, so is theirs going to be exposed. You see, the whole story of Egypt is a metaphor for the gospel. It's historical, it happened, but it's a metaphor for the gospel. Moses is God's word. Aaron is God's preacher of his word. Pharaoh is the devil, and Egypt is sin. So what happened was, is Pharaoh, like the Roman emperor, was a deity in Egypt. He was the god of Egypt. And he had these little people around him that kind of carried out that narrative, the little sorcerers, the little magicians. And people, they didn't know no better. They actually believed that this man had these powers. But one day, a guy shows up and does a real miracle. And the real miracle exposed the fakery as fake. So Paul is drawing a parallel between what Moses did and what Timothy is supposed to do. 
So the corrupt men, the evil stuff that's happening in the last days in their time, Paul is telling them that has a limit. This corruption, evil, and wickedness has a limit. And the limit is the truth. When the truth comes, this will not go far and it will be exposed. So like Moses and Aaron threw their staff in the floor to eat up the fakery, so is Timothy, supposed, is he supposed to throw down his staff. So what is Timothy's staff? We go to verse 10. Let's go back to verse 8. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of corrupted in, corrupted in mind disqualify regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, here's Timothy's staff, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. I love it when Paul rubs it in. Paul begins saying, you, Timothy, have followed my latest edition of my systematic theology. No. You have followed my commentary in the book of Acts. No. You have followed my teaching, my conduct, and my aim in life. In other words, you've seen how I live and how I conduct myself in this world. All of this applied to me. Paul was a Hellenized Jew. He was born in Tarsus. That's Greek, right? Went down to Jerusalem, study, learn Hebrew, whatever. In fact, there's somewhere in the Bible, which is kind of funny, Paul addresses the Jews. He speaks to them in Hebrew, and the Bible says that when they heard him speak Hebrew, they were like, oh, snap, and they got quiet. Like, this dude speaks Hebrew, right? So he's, this is all Paul, too, right? And Paul tells to Timothy, you've seen how I've handled this. You've seen my conduct. You've seen that I live this life for real. So you see my, my conduct in this life, right? So the first aspect of this staff that breaks this lie of sin and wickedness and all that is the living out of the Christian life. When that's, when that's lived out in the world and, conf- and is confronted by sin, sin is exposed as folly. Amen. Like the magicians were. So he continues on, he's, he says... He's a little bragging. Um, so you, okay, so my persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endure, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing in whom, from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. So, Christian life being lived out in front of this wickedness, and then where does that come from? From a child, you have known the scriptures. That's what Paul told Timothy. His, his mother and his grandmother taught him the scriptures from 
the time he was a little boy. Even though he was not circumcised, he was not, even though he was not, quote unquote, a Jew, his mother was a Jew, his grandmother was a Jew, and they taught him in the ways of the scripture. He's known them all his life. So the, the teaching, Paul says, you've known my teaching. What teaching? The teaching of the word of God. So the teaching of the word of God, when it's lived out, so you can't stay here. You can't, this, if this stays here, it's, it's no good. If Moses stays up in the mountain, that's no good. He had to go down and throw down his staff in front of Pharaoh. Because if it would have stayed over here, Moses learned, oh, that's some good stuff you got there, God. Let me write it down. I would have done nothing. He had to go out and do it. Paul had to go out and do it. He's telling Timothy, you, you have to go out and do this. You've seen me do it. You can go out and do it. So this is a kid who was discipled by the apostle. That's like the greatest. You can't, you can't beat that. The, for free. Forget about seminary. He was discipled by the apostle Paul. He's seen him live day in and day out, every single day, being spit at, being insulted, how he handled all of that. He's seen that discipling. And he's known the scriptures, and he's commanded to apply them, right? So he goes on to say, he says, verse 16, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. Notice that it matches what Paul says. You've learned my, you've known my what? My teaching. Where did he got his teaching from? All scriptures is breathed out by God and profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. In other words, all the things that the apostle Paul was, you've seen these things in me, are the things that he goes on to say is what the scripture does. So who I was, I was. Because the scriptures did that. That's what the scriptures do to people. So as people read this, as you read the scriptures, Timothy, if you've known them, if you've applied them, the life that I lived is because the scriptures make that life, you know, it, it makes me like that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. So when the staff of the, the Christian life, which can only is created by a constant reading and learning of the scriptures, goes against the sinfulness and the lies of this world, that stops. That's folly. It's exposed. So the verse that is doom and gloom to a lot of people is actually an optimistic verse. In the last days, perilous times will come, yada, 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 but you... See my teaching, etc. All scriptures inspired by God, etc. All these things are done. That applies to anybody, anybody who lives this Christian life according to the scriptures will have the exact same result as Timothy did. Because that horrible, Ro I, can't, I can't even tell you what was going on in the Roman Empire because it's so horrible. 300 years later, it was Christianized. It took 300 years of persecution and death, but the Roman Empire became a Christian empire in 300 years. 
the most wicked civilization the world has ever known. Can't get worse than Rome. Even now. If you're a Christian, as horrible as it is to be a Christian in China today, would be vacation for the early church in Rome. Because at least the Chinese kind of, if you ask the Chinese, do you guys persecute Christians? They're like, no, no, we don't. That's lies. The Romans would be like, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we, that's what we do. We got a budget, appropriations for that. <laughs> Rome was horrible, and it was defeated by people who didn't even raise a sword, conquer that civilization. How? The way that Paul just told them. The way that Moses conquered Egypt. Egypt collapsed. When Moses left, Egypt went downhill. Emperor and everything. They all drowned by the sea. Moses was on his way to the promised land after he left Egypt. Egypt was done. Same thing happened here with Rome. Same thing could happen here in America or in whatever nation or civilization or country the church of God is. If we do this, everything else would fall apart. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that we know that your promises are real, Lord. And whatever you tell us in your word that we can do by faith, Lord, we know that we can do, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for every person here, Lord. I pray that your words today, Lord, would be tattooed into their hearts, Lord, and that we may go forth from here, Lord, to live out the life that you want us to live, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.